Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. With working from home and trying to stay in touch with friends and family, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to always be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. My moment to chill is watching baseball, especially when the White Sox are on. I like to have a Coors Light beside me. It's a great beer to have watching the games as it's cool and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. And even the mountains on my cans turn blue telling me that it's time to hit reset. Sit back, relax, and hunker down for an evening of White Sox baseball. So when it's time for you to unwind, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Must be 21 years or older to enjoy. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to Sox Machine Live. I'm your host, Josh Nelson, and it's Thursday, July 26th, 2018, as we are streaming this show on Mixler.com slash Sox Machine. Tonight, we will recap the White Sox vs. Angels series in Anaheim. As the good news, the White Sox split the series. Jose Abreu appears to be back on track hitting-wise. Carlos Rodon was awesome in his start. And the White Sox hit six home runs in the series finale. The bad news, nobody other than Carlos Rodon can get Mike Trout out. James Shields and Dylan Covey weren't good. And Chris Volstead was awful. The White Sox will be coming home this weekend as they will face the Toronto Blue Jays in a three-game series. But we are just five days away from the Major League Baseball trade deadline, and there have been a flurry of moves made in the past couple of days, and I'm sure during this show another deal will be announced. One of those deals is the White Sox trading Joaquin Soria to the Milwaukee Brewers. And to help me break down this move is the managing editor of SoxMachine.com and the co-host of the podcast, it's Jim Margulis. And hello, Jim. Rick Hahn finds Soria a new home with a familiar trading partner. Yes, the Brewers basically are reconstructing the White Sox bullpen over the last couple of years. Soria's a new guy, but he joins... Uh, Dan Jennings and Matt Albers. They got Anthony Swarzak last year. It just seems like uh, the Brewers must be well scouting the whatever the uh, White Sox are trotting out. A little bit of a little part of me is wondering why they're doing that. Uh, I guess they are acquiring the guys that have been effective out of the bullpen for the White Sox, and perhaps putting into the test on 
if these relievers can help a team win ball games and enough ball games to make it into the postseason. But for this deal, Soria being dealt to Milwaukee, what the White Sox receive is left-handed pitcher Cody Medeiros and Wilbur Perez. Major League Baseball Pipeline, MLB Pipeline, just updated their top 100 list and their top 30 White Sox prospect list prior to the trade. But after the trade, they have slotted Medeiros ahead of Jordan Stevens and Jimmy Lambert as Medeiros ranks 19th in the White Sox top 30 system, according to MLBpipeline.com. Based on his delivery, Jim, which is a bit funky, Medeiros at the very least could be considered as a lefty arm out of the bullpen for the White Sox. What are your thoughts about the deal, or at least the return for the White Sox on what they received by moving Joaquin Soria? It's not bad. I guess I'll put it that way. I think we'll have a better idea once August 1st rolls around, all the relievers are traded, and we get an idea of what the going rate was. Because right now it seems, you know, although relievers are always in demand and there is some competition among contenders, it does seem more like a a buyer's market in general just because there are just only six contenders in the American League for the five spots. Nobody's really challenging Oakland from for the second spot, so... That seems pretty much decided there. You know, more than half the league is out. National League is more open, but you haven't seen the kind of uh, aggressiveness that, like, say, the AL East has had with moving and acquiring players. So uh, don't really have a feel yet for the entire market, but it's not bad. I think Medeiros does fill a need. Um, you know, as you mentioned, at the very least, he seems like an effective uh, uh, lefty specialist. Uh, he's got that kind of... Uh, Three-quarter, side-winding, you know, left-hand delivery. Yeah, you hate to say like he's like Chris Sale, but it's like it's Chris Sale in that, you know, it's an unusual delivery for a starter. And in Sale's case, it worked out well. <laughs> Not everybody is Sale, so, um, you know, I wouldn't put that tag on him. But just right now, he's starting with that delivery. But when you look at his splits, he's a lot more effective against lefties and righties. Not, not getting killed by righties yet, but holding uh, – uh, holding lefties to a sub 600 OPS. So, I mean, that really works. You see, I've seen some videos of the slider. You know, that's a definite weapon. Just seems like uh, he can get strikeouts, but also walks guys, struggles to repeat his delivery. And and thus, that's why it seems like he is vulnerable as a starter. So, uh, we've seen the White Sox work with unusual deliveries before and survive. We've seen them hit walls with unusual delivery. So, they're not quite, uh, you know... Um, yeah, I wouldn't say they have a great shot at having Madero start, but there's a possibility there. And if not, he should be an effective reliever. Um, and uh, so it seems OK. And I guess we'll find out at the end of the, you know, when the deadline passes, just how well the White Sox did in context with the rest of the league. Cody Madero's have been pitching in the Southern League. So the White Sox, at least the Birmingham Barons, have seen Madero's. Medeiros started a game, I'm sorry, appeared in a game against the Birmingham Barons on April 30th where he pitched five innings in relief and allowed four earned runs and eight hits over five innings. So not the best of performances coming out of the bullpen against the Barons in late April. But for the season in 2018, Medeiros is 7-5 with a 3.14 ERA. He has started 15 games and he has appeared out of the bullpen for five games in 103 innings. He has 107 strikeouts. So that's kind of what you want to see out of AA numbers is can this guy have a strikeout per inning type of performance or season to date? And he has 45 walks. So a little bit of control issues on that front. You would see a little bit better strikeout to walk ratio. 
but again, if he doesn't pan out as a starter because of his funky delivery and a lot of things that you touched on, Jim, uh, at least at the floor that Medeiros could possibly help the White Sox in the future by being another option out of the bullpen, another left-handed option, as even though the White Sox right now have what, Xavier Cedeno, lefty, they have Luis Avalon, lefty, I mean, in the upcoming, Chase Fry, Aaron Bummer. Yeah. Well, in the in the next couple of days, Avalon and Cedeno, I mean, they could be moved in the next mm-hmm. couple of days, where then all of a sudden the White Sox left-handed options are Jace Fry and Aaron Bummer. And then after those two, you're looking at what, Brian Clark and maybe Madero. So there's a, there's an opportunity here where we could see Madero's be someone seriously could considered for a future White Sox 25-man roster spot in the next year or two. So we'll see how he performs. But for the yeah. Milwaukee Brewers... Oh, and, and it's uh, worth noting, too, with uh, with Medeiros, is that uh, the Carolina Mudcats are the high A affiliates of the Brewers, and they're in the Carolina League with the Winston-Salem Dash. And he pitched against the Dash six times in 2017. So oh, you've seen wow. a lot of them. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, the White Sox... Okay, so the White Sox are very... Very familiar. I did not know that he pitched six times against the Dash last year. That's a lot. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So the White Sox have seen a lot of Maderos, so they must feel comfortable with the return and acquiring Maderos. On the flip side, Jim, do you think Joaquin Soria will be a difference maker for the Milwaukee Brewers? He gives them a little bit of help. I don't think he's somebody who changes the complexion of their bullpen a little bit, but he does give... Um, Craig Council, another option, you know, so they don't say wear out Jeffress or Hader, um, you know, by leaning on them too much. Because I think they're still having problems with their starting pitching. I think they still need to acquire a starter to give them some length so they're not wearing down the bullpen. But with Soria, you know, there and now Albers coming back from the disabled list, you know, perhaps they have enough arms to where they can shift the workload if they're still getting starts that, you know, aren't that deep or they're not winning enough blowouts to, to rest the high leverage guys. I still think the Milwaukee Brewers need a starting pitcher. Yeah. I just don't know if they have the horses to A, catch the Cubs, and B, try to hold off now the Atlanta Braves and the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Colorado Rockies. The Brewers definitely could use a starting pitcher in the next couple of days here before the trade deadline ends. But then again, we did see someone like Justin Verlander moved in August. So I guess there's still time for teams and contenders to acquire key starters. Now we talk about starting pitching because tonight, or I should say at least today, two starting pitchers have been moved in other trades around major league baseball. Jay Happ, the lefty for the Toronto blue Jays has been traded to the New York Yankees. And this is after the Yankees acquired Zach Britton from Baltimore. So some interdivisional trading going on in the American league East gym, the Yankees needed help on the starting front. If they're going to catch the Boston Red Sox, To make things harder for the Yankees, Aaron Judge was just pulled from tonight's game. He was hit by a pitch on the wrist, and it will require an MRI tomorrow. So that definitely makes things really interesting if you're a New York Yankees fan, uh, depending on the news of that MRI tomorrow for Aaron Judge. However, for the Yankees starting pitching, Jim, is Hap good enough to allow the Yankees to make up ground on the Boston Red Sox, or do you think they're going to need more help with the starting rotation? I think it's going to be tough to catch the Red Sox, you know, just given the odds and given how all the Red Sox are playing and that they're adding as well. But, uh, you know, Hap is, you know, a quality pitcher. And I think I I can't find the stat right now, but I think he's been 
exceptionally successful against the Red Sox in his career. So I don't know if they're banking on that. You know, that might be some small sample wizardry or, you know, just kind of how his good starts break down. But at the very least, it seems like, uh, you know, they're, they're thinking that maybe his left-handed stuff will have some advantages against uh, the Boston lineup. That bullpen, though, for the Yankees. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Britton, Robertson, Chapman, if he's okay. Yeah. They got yeah. three former closers back there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's 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 amazing how deep they are. I mean, even with uh, Tommy Canely uh, providing no help, uh, Trace Thompson took him deep today. So <laughs> I saw that. That was funny. Yeah. That was funny. Poor Tommy Canely. I hope he turns it around, though, because he's a good dude. And if the Yankees aren't going to use him, maybe the White Sox can. The next big deal, which was announced just minutes prior to us streaming this show, is that the Cole Hamels of the Texas Rangers has been traded to the Chicago Cubs. The Athletic, Patrick Moody, tweeted that the Cubs are moving towards a deal centered around low-level prospects and provide salary relief for the Texas Rangers. That was initially reported, but now it sounds like the Rangers are going to be sending money to the Chicago Cubs in acquiring minor league prospects from the Cubs as Yahoo Sports Jeff Passan tweeted that the deal had been completed. Hamels is moving to the north side. The Cubs, Jim, they're having some difficulties right now on the starting pitching front. And Chris Bryant is heading to the 10-day disabled list because of his shoulder issue. Anthony Rizzo has been okay, not great this year by any stretch of the imagination. And yet, the Cubs today come from behind. They beat the Diamondbacks in heroic fashion in the bottom of the ninth inning, 7-6, to the best team in the National League, and I still don't feel like they're hitting on all cylinders. Does Hamels help with their starting pitching situation? I I'm, I haven't been particularly impressed this year, and I know when the White Sox played the Rangers and they missed them the one time because of uh, a neck issue, but I remember looking at the numbers, looking at the splits, and just not being terribly afraid of it, or, or it didn't look like it was a, a big on paper advantage, but I mean, really when you look at their, their starting rotation and with Darvish being a big question mark and Tyler Chatwood, uh, walking a guy in inning, basically, it just seems like they need options wherever they can get it. And, you know, Hamels being somebody, I think Hamels had no trade list and he's got a considerable salary. So it seems like one starter who might have some upside, uh, you know, um, relative to his performance this season. And at the very least, you know, won't cost him. Uh, won't cost the Cubs a huge haul, you know, just because of the the money involved and the fact that the Cubs did have some leverage being on Hamels, um, or or not being on his no trade list. Yeah, Chatwood this year, seventy nine walks to just seventy eight strikeouts in eighty nine and third innings, and having now acquiring Hamels, Hamels definitely helps out on the strikeout to walk ratio and also his ability to eat up innings as he has about. 25 more innings in two more starts than Chatwood this season. However, Hamels has given up a lot of home runs this year. He's already allowed 23 home runs in 2018 in 20 starts. Last year, he allowed only 18 home runs in 24 starts for the Rangers in 2017. I just don't think he really helps their starting pitching situation. But that again, as I mentioned before, on where the Chicago Cubs are at the moment, Jim, they're the best. They have the best record in the National League. They're not hitting on all cylinders. There's a lot of question marks for them, but yet they keep chugging along. They keep winning games. So maybe Hamels will 
be a upgrade over Chatwood, and that's going to be enough for them to get into the postseason. But I don't think this is a move that Cubs or Cubs fans should expect that Cole Hamels is going to be some type of postseason hero. If I were the Cubs, I'd still be trotting out Lester Quintana and Hendricks moving forward. Yeah, and he's also leading the league in uh, hit by pitches, so um, that does inflate the walk rate a bit. So even though he's only walked 42 over 114, that's like you know 54 walks, and that's a lot less impressive. Now with two starters coming off the board with Jay Happ and Cole Hamels tied back to the White Sox, any luck now that Rick Khan can move James Shields or did big game Shields shoot down any chance of that happening, Jim, in his poor outing on Wednesday? Uh, it probably didn't help. I, I imagine that a team trying to acquire him or thinking about acquiring him wouldn't let one start, um, you know, throw him off. But, you know, with his salary and with his lack of upside and lack of, um, you know, postseason grade stuff and the fact that it wouldn't really, you know, it wouldn't be a factor in the bullpen either. Um, yeah, I, I don't think there's a huge demand. It's a very specific fit and it would fit a team like the Cubs that just need innings, um, you know, perhaps the Hamels, you know, them acquiring Hamels. Um, you know, there's no fit there now, but yeah, it just seems like, uh, it just requires a team that just trying to get like basically turn the calendar over, you know, get from, you know, one, the fifth turn to a, uh, the number one spot in the rotation. And there's only getting like maybe four ugly innings from a guy. If you want six, okay. Innings versus four ugly one shields would be your guy. But, um, I, I can't imagine there's a ton of urgency and he doesn't seem like somebody who can, yeah, you, know, you can put him on waivers. I don't think a team's going to claim him just uh, just to claim him. Yeah, I don't think he provides that kind of upside or, um, you know, that 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 a team, uh, you know, would block another team from acquiring him because he is, as we saw, um, you know, against the Angels, he is gettable. Um, you you can you can hit him and hit him hard at times. So. I think he can be traded in August and, you know, perhaps with so many starters still trying to find homes. And, you know, as I mentioned, with the lack of contenders, you know, lack of number of contenders in the American League, you know, perhaps there just isn't a market that's that deep uh, needing starters of any kind. So do you think that the White Sox are done for the trading deadline by moving Joaquin Soria? No, I think Sedano can find a home. Um, yeah, lefty reliever, kind of like Dan Jennings, um, just... Not really incredible, and, and I think Sedano's case, he has the the track record that Jennings didn't in facing, you know, being a lot stronger against lefties over the course of years. Whereas Jennings, that was kind of a recent development in his, uh, you know, in his history. So it seems like uh, I can imagine him finding home if they want to take her or Avalon, one of the two. I don't know if both of them will be moved because of just. I guess saturation, <laughs> you, know, they, you know, maybe one decent lefty will find a home, but maybe not two. Yeah, I just, uh, I agree with you on Cedeno. It'll be interesting on what Rick Hahn can do. I feel like the Whites, he can make a couple more moves, like you mentioned with Cedeno and Avalon. I felt confident a couple weeks ago that maybe James Shields can get moved before the deadline. I'm really unsure five days ahead uh, or five days away from the trade deadline. Would have helped a great deal if he pitched well on Wednesday, but alas, that's not the case. And discussing as far as his White Sox Angel series, again, a couple of big bullet points here. One, Carlos Rodon was terrific in his start, and Jose Abreu appears to be back, Jim. He had two home runs today. He was 7 for 12 hitting in the series as he hit three home runs total in the four games, driving in six runs, and he had three walks to four strikeouts. So he is taking some walks, and he is reducing the amount of strikeouts 
Is this the type of series that gets a Bray hot for a month like we've seen in previous seasons from him? It's possible um, just because when you look at the hits he's getting um, and then the, the, I guess, the consistency of the contact, you know, when you watch Bray over the last you know, month and a half, you know, nearly two months now, um, just the, you know, I guess the way I describe it is that the barrel wasn't meeting the ball in front of the plates. It seemed like his best contact was either on slow hanging stuff that he, you know, that he pulled well into the seats, you know, in foul territory. Or it was, you know, if he got the ball in the air, it was to the right side. The barrel wasn't really getting out in front, and you saw some ugly swings and, you know, kind of this off-balance, you know, back foot hop that he would sometimes do that seemed new, or at least, you know, kind of like the equivalent of uh, Lucas Giolito falling off to one side when he's really, you know, laboring. It kind of looked like the equivalent of that for hitters with a Brayu swing, but I haven't seen that too much. The, you know, the, the swinging through high stuff and, and hopping around the batter's box, it just seems like he's a lot more balanced and that the... Uh, you know, the 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 bat is just getting to a ball in optimal hitting zones. We've seen him pull the ball in the air for homers, hitting line drives for uh, you know, double to the left field. He's hitting the ball you know, to power to right center. So I think, you know, the full array of Abreu's good contact is there. I think if, you know, he hit a couple homers, you know, snuck a couple over the right field wall or something like that, I might be less inclined to say that, you know, he's fixed because um, we saw him hit the isolated homer before, you know, over the stretch. But the fact that he's pulling the ball with power, getting lift on the ball to the left field, I think that shows that Abreu is, you know, his swing is more on time and, and the bat is getting through the zone at the time he wants to get it uh, there. I think that's a more reliable indicator of just how much he has to offer, you know, over, say, the next week or three. Yeah, that home run in the ninth inning was an absolute monster of a shot from Jose Abreu. Daniel Polka also hit two home runs today. Avisil Garcia hit a home run. Nicky Delmonico yeah. finally hit a home run. That's a good sign to see from Delmonico. So the race on who will lead the White Sox in home runs. Uh, it's a tight one right now. Jose Abreu is in the lead as he has 16 home runs. But Polka and Avi are right there behind Abreu, along with Tim Anderson, Matt Davidson, and Yohan Mankata. Now the bad. Chris Volstead today gave up three runs in his one inning. And yesterday on Wednesday, he gave up five runs and in two innings, Jim. That's eight runs allowed in his last three innings pitched. The White Sox already have to add another player to the 25-man roster. We're going to guess soon here uh, in the next topic on who will replace Joaquin Soria. But should Rick Hahn pull the trigger, Jim, and also DFA Volstead to open up another spot on the roster. It seems like that would be, um, you know, a good call just because, uh, you know, I don't get, you know, with, with Santiago also in the same spot of, you know, a reliever whose chief purpose is throw multiple innings and you don't mind if he gets beat up, you know, it seems like having two of those guys on the same staff, you know, uh, I think Santiago at least can get strikeouts, whereas Volstad can't. So when you look at Volstad, you know, giving up a lot of hits, giving up, uh, Hard hits, not missing any bats the way Santiago occasionally does. Um, it seems like he's you know, redundant, and I think he's just reaching the end of his major league usefulness. So I'm not seeing anything there. And it seemed like today's outing, you know, the fact that he's thrown two days in a row and taking beatings two days in a row, it seems like that's the kind of uh, relief usage you usually see from a guy who isn't going to be around much longer, you know, just because they're not really concerned about pitch counts and. Uh, pitching on back-to-back days, they're just trying to not use somebody who is going to be around for the next, 
you know, week or so. So yeah, I, I think it'd be a lot easier, I suppose, if they didn't open up the spot with Soria. However, um, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing the White Sox go back to a seven-man bullpen and, you know, trusting that their starters can get deeper on a more reliable basis just because, you know, as we've seen with eight relievers, you just kind of get guys who don't belong and don't really serve any other purpose aside from, you know, pitching in low leverage situations. And just because they're around, you know, as we saw Volstad pitching in eighth innings, uh, it does seem to lead to worse choices just because they happen to be there. And as Patrick Nolan P. Knowles wrote today for SoxMachine.com, you could have that eighth pitcher by using Matt Davidson in mop-up <laughs> duty. Yeah, it's not... I don't quite know what goes into it um, when it comes to a um, you know a position player regularly throwing. You know, I don't know if the you know if there are any kind of you know like say Herm Schneider's shoulder program uh, that he's known for. You know, whether that's something that can be you know picked up in season or whether that's kind of a concern you know over the course of um, a sudden burst of regular activity, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's not so, you know, given the fact that Davidson looked very comfortable and was sequencing everything like that, I, I don't, it's not a ridiculous idea. Uh, it just seems like I don't know what preparation is involved to make that happen without, you know, um, exposing him to injury and just, um, I guess making a, yeah, I guess making a joke of it, but also with a, with a casualty involved. Well, the White Sox have a 24 man roster as they fly from Anaheim back home to Chicago. They're going to need to call somebody up to replace Joaquin Soria. So, Jim, who would be your pick to fill in for Soria? I think I would go with Ian Hamilton, just because it seems like he's going to be on the 40-man roster at any at some point. You know, they open up a spot with Soria gone, so it seems like, you know, it's no worse for the wearer when it comes to 40-man room, and you get a head start on evaluating and seeing what his limitations are. You still have time to say, send him down for a bit. Say if he, you know, comes up to the majors, uh, struggles and, you know, maybe you want to give him a couple more weeks, but, um, I, I don't see, uh, a case for not doing it. How do the White Sox get Aloy Jimenez to Chicago for this weekend? <laughs> Cause that, if, if you asked me who would I want to fill in for Soria spot of the 25 man roster, my answer would be Aloy Jimenez. That's who I would want Obviously, Jimenez is not going to throw out of the bullpen, and I'm still assuming that the White Sox are going to have an eight-man bullpen. But is there any way in which we just talked about the idea of DFA and Volstead? Could the White Sox DFA Volstead to open room for Jimenez to join the White Sox this weekend and still call up Ian Hamilton to replace Soria? Uh, that's what I would do. You know, given the, uh, you know, at this point, you're... Uh, the White Sox are basically considering all these guys in AAA and such that are, you know, I guess roughly equivalent, you know, with Manaya struggling again. You know, it seems like there there's an opportunity to play some musical chairs with the bullpen. Like, say, if they have seven guys and they have a, a taxing day, they can send one down and bring another guy up and, um, you know, be fine with it. So I think, you know, there would be some time to go with seven guys in the bullpen and, Bring Jimenez up, yeah. I, I'd love to see that, and I think fans would love to see it too. With the home stand, it's a way to uh, inject some kind of intrigue into two series against uh, you know losing American League teams. Okay, so let me get really greedy. How about Michael Kopech? Is there an opportunity here? We talked about it before, moving Kovey to the bullpen and having Kopech up to replace. Well, we that was the thinking was to replace James Shields if Shields were to get traded. Will White Sox fans still have to wait for Shields to be moved to see Kopech? 
I think there could be, um, you know, say if it gets to August and Shields isn't moved and then they try to, you know, pass his uh, contract through waivers and, you know, he clears and still nobody's taken him and, you know, it takes a while to develop. I don't know if they'll wait for Kopech for the entirety of Shields being on the roster. I could think it might take one more Kovey start, but I think when it comes to upending the rotation or perhaps shifting one guy out of his routine, you know, like say Kovey in this case, um, I think they'll wait just to make sure that uh, Shields isn't around because Kovey will be, you know, theoretically, um, you know, his next turn will come up um, August 1st, August 2nd, trying to look at the schedule. But, you know, around then, and, you know, perhaps you don't want to knock him off of his between starts routine if there's a chance he could still go. So I think that's one hesitation I would have for calling up Kopech, but he's had three good starts in a row, I think, with, uh, you know, with control, um, you know, throwing strikes. I think he just had the one... Threw like one cement mixer slider that got taken out for a two-run homer, and that was the only damage he took on uh, today. So, um, you know, he's throwing the ball pretty well and seems like he's about ready for an audition. And so I think at any point, especially with the White Sox now without Soria and uh, with Manaya you know, uh, just being terrible again, uh, they do need guys who can get outs from the right side. And I think Covey, you know, if he struggles again, you know, perhaps takes one more start and has the same problems where he's good one time through and hits a wall. You know, there's room for him in the bullpen, and, you know, perhaps he can, you know, it's not really a demotion if he's taken on some important situations there. It's just been a bizarre year for Dylan Covey, where he's had some of the best starts by any White Sox starting pitcher in 2018, Jim, and then falls flat on his face. Yeah, I, I think he's, uh, you know, that's, I guess, was ultimately bearish on him as a, uh, you know, just a sinker slider guy. I think it's really tough. Um, repertoire to be effective as a starter if you haven't, you know, like say for a guy who hasn't shown effectiveness, you know, throughout his minor league career. I think it's a, it's not not quite a novelty, but easy to figure out if you're not on your game. And I think uh, against Seattle, he did have his slider is probably the best he'd thrown in a while. He's able to throw it in any count, pitch backwards. The changeup was also there a little bit, and he had multiple looks multiple times, but. I think uh, as soon as the two-seamer starts coming up, there's not a whole lot to him. So that's, I think, why um, yeah, it's. I, I would count on him being uh, roughed up more often than, than having these excellent six, seven-inning starts. And so I think, you know, given how yeah, the White Sox don't have anybody besides Kopech who can step in, I don't want to, you know, knock him out of the rotation and have to, to bring him back up, you know, and, and get him back up to speed given his health history. So I think... Uh, uh, I'm not entirely – I don't want to be too cavalier with his role like they are with Hector Santiago, who's proven to be very uh, effective and, and, and flexible. And, and, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I think that's kind of rare in, in Kovey's case, given all his oblique strains and, and everything like that. I think that would be a little bit dangerous for a guy you might still need to soak up a start or two over the rest of the season. Before we preview the upcoming weekend series against the Toronto Blue Jays as the White Sox come home, a quick word from our sponsor, SeatGeek. Whether you are heading to a baseball game or concert this summer, SeatGeek has you covered. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. 
SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever by searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value. And SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget with the deal score. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. I use SeatGeek all the time to buy tickets for Chicago White Sox games because I found it the easiest way to get the most bane for my buck. I have tickets for August 11th as Jim Tomey Bobblehead Day is on that day. And also the next time the White Sox face the Angels will be in Chicago in September. And I grabbed some seats as well. And I'm looking at tickets this weekend just in case if Aloy Jimenez is called up. Tickets start at $12 for Friday's game, $10 for Saturday's game, in which they're giving away an Iron Man bobblehead. So if you're big into Iron Man, you can grab one of those, be one of the first 12,000 fans at the stadium. And again, SeatGeek has tickets starting at $10. And on Sunday, tickets start at $6 on SeatGeek. And best of all, Sox Machine listeners get $20 off your first purchase on SeatGeek, just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code SOXMACHINE. That's promo code SOXMACHINE for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event, and they have the tickets. And for your preview to the White Sox Blue Jays series this weekend, Toronto is 46-55, and their fourth place in the American League East, 24 games back. Of the Boston Red Sox. No, Jim, I did not calculate how many games back the White Sox are for the Red Sox. The Blue Jays won two out of three against the White Sox in early April. So this will be the season finale between these two teams. Your pitching probables for this series on Friday night. Maybe Marcus Stroman, as the latest trade rumors are, that the Atlanta Braves are interested in acquiring Marcus Stroman. If he does stick with the Blue Jays, he'll be going up against Ronaldo Lopez on Saturday. This was J-Hap's spot. It'll be to be announced for the Blue Jays against Lucas Giolito. And on Sunday, the Blue Jays again have no idea who will be starting for them. And it'll be Carlos Rodon. Hopefully Rodon can keep the hot hand going. He's been absolutely terrific in his last two starts. So Jim... With this series, the thing I'm looking forward to, of course, is the Tim Anderson versus Marcus Stroman yep. at bats. Yeah, beat These me to guys it. do not like each other whatsoever. It will be entertaining. But what else are you looking for out of this series between the Blue Jays and the White Sox? Well, you know, more Abreu, more Rodon. I think those are the two things that you want to yeah, – I guess they're the two White Sox who are the most able to make you feel good. As a fan watching them, you know, just, uh, you know, with their track records and their abilities. And when Abreu's hitting, it's a lot more fun. Like, even, you know, a 12-day loss to the Angels, that's the kind of game I expected to see more of, just these sloppy slugfests that the White Sox end up on the wrong side of, but, you know, wildly uneven, but the wild is kind of fun at times. I expect to see more games like that, so I wouldn't mind, you know, a couple more um, games like that, even if they're losses. But, uh, you know, they, the Blue Jays are, as you mentioned, with the rotation uh, vacancies, they're in a bit of a mess right now. So um, seems like fairly evenly matched for, uh, you know, given the records. And uh, the White Sox would be 34 and a half games back of Boston. Yeah, the Blue Jays are in a weird spot because they do have two of the best prospects in Major League Baseball with Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette who are waiting in the wings, but it does, I mean, when you have the superpowers and the Red Sox and Yankees in full force, I mean, it probably does make some sense to maybe move guys like Marcus Stroman if you don't expect to be a good team 
until two to three years down the road. It'll be interesting to see if the Blue Jays do move Marcus Stroman, uh, who's not having the greatest 2018, uh, but we'll see if the Braves are able to pull that move off and we'll recap all of the trades that will be happening, I'm sure. The action will not stop. It's been a lot of activity so far in Major League Baseball on the trade front, and we'll try to recap all of the trades, and especially if the White Sox make another move on Monday's Sox Machine podcast. But oh, that will do it. Oh, one what? more thing, Jake Petrichka. He's he's back and active for uh, the uh, Blue Jays. So he wasn't DFA'd after his last outing against the Twins. He was terrible against the Twins. Yeah, no, it's, he's still there, hanging around, still on the roster. He had 4.64 ERA, but there are 500 in runs on his tab, so it's basically similar to his performance last year. <laughs> Fewer homers, I, more walks. I, I watched that outing against the Twins. It was tied, and he hit a guy on a 1-2 pitch with two outs, and then the Twins just rallied for like six runs in the 12th inning. Yeah, he had a... Uh, Five scoreless outings in a row before that, so all right, that probably bought him some time. But old yeah. friend alert is yep. what Jim is saying <laughs> for this weekend. Uh, be interesting to see him because I totally forgot that he was with the Toronto Blue Jays until I was flipping channels on MLB Network and they were playing the Twins Blue Jays game. And uh, yeah, that's a familiar face. But yeah, that will do it for this edition of Sox Machine Live. Thank you guys so much that listened to the stream on Mixer.com slash Sox Machine. If you don't get an opportunity to listen to the live stream, no worries. We have the recording available as a podcast on our podcast feed, which you can subscribe to the show via iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Audioboom. Sox Machine Live is a production of SoxMachine.com, your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball. Alongside Jim Margulis, I'm Josh Nelson. Talk to you on Monday. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.